I think it's important to note that uh, fundamentals are also very strong. We've got a, a growing economy, uh, jobs, income. My administration has a job to do as well. And that job is to get this economy back on its feet. Now, first of all, I don't, I don't see America having problems. 25 years ago, I got ripped off with some whole life, life The insurance. only type of life insurance that you should have, in my opinion, is term insurance. Welcome to Infinite Banking Radio. In three short years, our financial system has turned upside down, but we still hear the same rhetoric and are pushed into the same strategies. The Infinite Banking concept is a proven system that will transform your financial future. Now here's your host, Patrick Donahoe. Hi, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Thank you so much for downloading this month's podcast. It is the end of 2011. Hope everybody has had a, a productive year and uh, and are ready for the new year. And there's uh, there's no better way to end the year than to interview an, an amazing individual. And we are, are so grateful and fortunate to have uh, Ken McElroy, who is uh, a rich dad advisor, uh, among other other titles, a successful businessman. And uh, he joins us from Phoenix, Arizona. How you doing, Ken? Great, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So for those of you who are uh, listening for the first time, you're going to get a, a treat, but we do have past podcasts. You can go on to the same links that you use to download this one, and uh, we've, we've had a podcast going on for uh, about four years now and have a lot of interesting speakers uh, ranging from uh, economists to accountants to investors to, to entrepreneurs. So definitely go and check, check those out. We also have a lot of resources on our webpage. You can visit www.paradigmlife.net. We also have links on there to our Facebook resources as well as our YouTube channel. So to, to kind of get you started with, with Ken, for those of you who are not familiar with him, uh, Ken has, has accolades and accomplishments that most people uh, would not get through in, in 10 uh, lifetimes. And so let me kind of read off some of these. The, the first are the, the half a dozen books or so that he's uh, either been a part in or, or written. Uh, first is uh, the ABCs of Real Estate Investing, the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing, the ABCs of Property Management. And he's also a contributor in the Real Book of Real Estate, which was put out by the Rich Dad organization. And most recently, a book which we'll be discussing today called The Sleeping Giant. Uh, he also, as far as investment in business is concerned, has 26 years in multifamily real estate investing. Uh, over the past two years, he's acquired uh, $400 million of real estate, and his current portfolio is in uh, the states of Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Texas. Uh, he's also a rich dad uh, advisor and plays an active role in that organization. He's also a part of the Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, as well as the Young Presidents Organization. And I believe uh, you've held some board positions in the Entrepreneurs Organization and, and were president at one time? Yes. Okay. Uh, and as far as charitable and, and giving back, uh, Ken is a part of many, many organizations. He's a part of the Child Help in Arizona Food Bank and has the largest food drive in the state of Arizona. He's also part of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, the Hydrocephalus Association, the Arizona Health Sciences Center, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, uh, South Point Catholic High School, the Susan G. Komen for the Cure, 
Autism Speaks, McKenzie Monks Foundation, and a partnership for a drug-free America. I mean, Ken, just just hearing that, it, it's uh, it, it sounds very. I'm sure it sounds impressive to you, but to those listening, it's uh, it's it's amazing what you've accomplished in in your life so far, both as a, as a businessman and also, I, I guess, as a philanthropist. So, Thanks. so ha- hats yeah, off, to, hats off to you. Appreciate that. I, I, I guess when I heard. You actually say the entire list. I started to get a little overwhelmed. <laughs> Did I really do all of that? Yeah. No, it's. I have been involved in all that. It's been fun every bit of it. No, I, I imagine we could have several, several, uh, several podcasts just discussing uh, your giving back and, and your uh, uh, your involvement with with charitable organizations. So I, I guess though, one of the, as I was kind of looking at this and and reading this list, uh, a, a question came to came to mind. Uh, about what maybe what are two two or three ideas or maybe just one idea that you would accredit all of this success uh, as well as the resources that you you've been able to take and, and ultimately give back as far as your charitable contributions. Well, I think that part of the reason why I mean one of the things that as you, Patrick, I find you know, I find people oftentimes get pigeonholed into things that they don't like. Um, whatever that might be, albeit from college or high school or what, you know, they're trying to, you know, what they thought they wanted to do and then they realized that it was different or maybe something that their parents wanted them to do or, or a family member or something like that. And, and so for, for my, um, part of the, what's really kind of made me tick is I, I'm really doing what I like to do. So I, I kind of have that philosophy that if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so, uh, I know that sounds really simple, but I've never, ever, um, you know, been in a prolonged situation where I I did not want to be. So, yeah, you know, I, I make the decision quickly, like, this is not what I want. I'm, I just kind of cut then cut ties, cut whatever, whether it's a partnership or a, a, a business deal or a, or a, you know, a, a business opportunity or, or even a friend, you know, I mean, well, as harsh I, as that might sound. Well, I think that, I mean, it, what, I mean, what you're saying is very against, uh, very against the grain, because I think that, and as a society, we we're given this social expectation of of a certain mold that we have to fit into, whether it's a uh, a different degree or or graduate degree. And oftentimes, we try to fit that mold as opposed to trying to figure out what what we're the best at. And oftentimes, we you know many individuals wind up in an industry where. They're in for two, three, four years, and realize that hey, this is going to be the rest of my career. What am I? What am I thinking? And ultimately, people that cha- you know oftentimes change industries. Yeah, and I, I'm a, I'm a big advocate that, um, you know, every entrepreneur that I, for example, in the book, um, and you know, the book, The Sleeping Giant, my new book that I, that's recently out, is really about entrepreneurship. And I wrote it because um, I've obviously been around a bunch of entrepreneurs by being in those organizations that you mentioned in my intro. And I wanted, you know, these are all people that, men and women, that started, like, you know, they just, you know, they started because they had to. <laughs> None of them really started with money. Um, some of them just started with an idea and, they all kind of went about it 
all differently. And, you know, then the companies became successful, um, not because they had some fancy business plan, you know, one year, two year, three year plan, they followed the plan, although they did have some goals and things that they wanted to do, and they did have plans outlined on what they wanted to do. But really what made the, what the, what made the businesses successful were the, were how passionate the people were about just what they were doing. Hmm. And that's actually what made the business successful. And, and it, it, repeatedly that kept coming up. And it's in the, it's in the chapters in the book. Um, but then after I got the book all together, I, um, uh, one of the, one of my friends is a guy who founded MySpace, Tom Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, um, he lives out in California. And I met with him out there. And because I wanted him to just do a little blurb on it and, and then also just chat with him about, um, you know, his experience in starting that company. And, and you know, he said it, too. He said, it just doesn't even feel like work. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I think, so I think I, yeah, and and that's and it's a it's amazing to think about because I, I if you look at just how how quickly our our society has has transformed in a matter of you know a, a century. I mean, if you look back at the turn of the century, which is just a hundred years, and in the scheme of things, that's a I mean, it's a very short period of time. But if you look at everything that's transpired and and the life that we live today, I mean, all the things that we take advantage of on a daily basis, we we, we take for granted. I mean, you look at the innovators behind the Internet or the telephone or uh, texting or television or the various type of technology that's that's out there. A lot of that is because individuals had these had these ideas and became passionate about the ideas and then figured out of figured out a way to bring bring them to to fruition. And I assume that that's the case with most of the individuals that, that you outline uh, and portray in The Sleeping Giant. That's right. I, I mean, that's why I like this book. I mean, it was really one of my most fun experiences to, you know, this is my fourth book. And what was so fun about it was just getting on the phone with these folks because they all have different businesses and different views on stuff, and, and there's no real estate in there at all, which is exactly what my business is. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun to you know to get on the phone with these folks that have passion for something, and they turned it into a business, um, and you know literally started you know in their living room or their spare bedroom or or whatever or, or you know so there was one guy that was completely homeless. Um, at one point, and you know, it's it, you know, everybody started their businesses differently, and they're all very successful in their fields, and and um, and then at some point, as you mentioned, you know, it kind of turns into the philanthropy type, uh, where you start realizing how um, how fortunate you've been, and you start to um, you know support uh, other entrepreneurs uh, by mentoring or and or. Uh, you know, financially or sitting on boards and stuff like that, and and you start to inject some of those ideas, and it's very uh, it's very fun. Well, I think that you know, you look at, and I think that you know, obviously, you wrote this book before the whole uh, Occupy Wall Street fiasco, but I, I think that you know, looking looking at, especially the you know, uh, the the X generation, looking at uh, maybe the Y generation as well. I mean, you, you look at how 
how they view the world and, and their perspective on things. And I think that there is a, there's an envy out there as far as individuals that have. And you often hear in the news headlines that the gap between uh, the rich and the poor and the middle class. Um, but at the same time, most people don't really sit back and look at the, the input that they have is, you know, the income that they get. Um, but it, it's a heck of a lot less than the output whether it's philanthropy or whether it's the value that they create because they invented this uh, amazing way to grow corn or wheat or, or, or whatever. Uh, and, and, and individuals don't necessarily make the connection between what they created and what they, and what they have and also don't necessarily realize the value that they create through their charitable offerings and, and so forth. Have you, do you see, I mean, you, you're, you're around entrepreneurs all the time based on some of your associations. I mean, would you, would you agree with that or do you uh, did you see the connection there? I do. Yeah, I, I think you know it, it's funny. I, I think what happens is, um, well, I'll just give you my experience, and then also uh, I can share w- with you that uh, I think a, a lot of other people had similar experiences. You know, when you're in college or high school, or and you see these businesses. Um, and or business people, you think that it's such a far reach, you know, for you to ever be there. Yeah. Um, but the the dirty little secret is that it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you when you kind of get into business, if you've got, you know, if you're kind of well rounded, you realize that um, you know if you have a little bit of sales skills, a little bit of financial skills, and and you're willing to work hard, um, you can actually do quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of folks that my experience has been that there's a lot of businesses that are run extremely poorly. Um, and I just shake my head. Um, I wonder how they survive. And, and, but it just gives me hope. They have a department of lobbyists in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so, just, just... Uh, you know, for me, it's just such a no-brainer, especially now, which is, you know, why I wrote the book, and basically the, the tagline of it is the awakening of the self-employed entrepreneur, because what I, what I see happening is I, I, and, and I, I saw this front line with a lot of my friends. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends had, um, you know, nice house, nice jobs, whatever, you know, husband, wife, kids, the whole gig. Um, and then as the companies that they were working for started to um, do poorly or not stay competitive, um, you know, and we could talk hours and hours and hours on the reasons, but, sure. you know, as they continued to get their, their you know, let's say the jobs cut or the, or the company was acquired or, or merged or, or whatever, I just saw this huge lack of loyalty in corporate America. And I was seeing it, right, you know, with my circle of friends. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I guys that, um, you know, that I knew that were, you know, approaching 50 years old, you know, maybe they had, a, you know, some, some cash in the bank from all their savings. But, you know, they, they just did not, uh, you know, at 50 years old, in the old days, you know, you had a little bit of stability, but now there's really not a lot of stability. Some people are, you know, reinventing their, their lives. And um, I just really felt like, you know, if they could just see how easy it can be to, to find something that, you know, that uh, the public needs or the economy needs, and it doesn't have to be a huge company, it could be anything. Um, and leverage a business off of that, you know, they can at least supplement their income. 
and who knows where it'll go, you know? Well, the thing is, I mean, some of the things that we that we talk about as a as an organization is is just the, the math behind this this idea behind re- retirement. But the, so the math in and of itself doesn't necessarily work. But then you look at just the idea, and and I don't think human beings are are meant to stop anything. I mean, a part of our nature is that we produce. Part of our nature is that we give, and and based on the feedback that we get from that, energizes us and and gives us more to, of, of a desire to, to produce even more. And most people never make that connection because to them it's you know employment is a is a finite amount of of time and it's doing something that they don't necessarily want to do and want to retire from doing and so looking at being an entrepreneur and I guess going off of your advice is is the fact that you we all have different abilities we all have different talents and and ways that we can um, create something whether it's a, a business or a service or a good or, or whatever to, to to live in that I guess uh, unique ability but at the same time offer something that's a value to somebody to the point where they're willing to pay you for it. And, and like you said, I mean, you, you're in high school, you're in college, and th- there's really that corporate mentality where you need to fit this corporate mold and you need to have that organization provide for you. But as you're saying, I mean, because of this whole downturn in the economy, uh, corporations, whether they wanted to or not, have become disloyal and, and individuals are caught up a creek without, without a paddle and everything that they thought was going to happen didn't. And and I know it's it's unfortunate. And I know that people have become very upset, but at the same time, it's you know it's happened. What are you going to do about it now? And that, that's really what becomes the question. That is, and I, I you know, I I am not a big uh, advocate of quit your job and figure it out. I'm more of an advocate of, you know, why why rely on. Um, something that potentially could be so fragile, you know, Absolutely. Um, you, you know what I mean, which is, you know, you're completely reliant oftentimes on your employer's ability to stay competitive or, you know, whoever your next boss is and whether they like you or not and whether you think you should get that promotion. And, and people are, you know, comfortable with these, you know, two, three percent pay raises, um, you know, which isn't even keeping up with inflation. No. <laughs> And and I'm just shaking my head going, you know, what kind of life is that? You know, I mean, um, you know, and if you do like the job, that's cool. But if if your pay is not keeping up with um, the economy, then you're losing money. So, you know, take a look at least at some of your options, you know. So I know, and looking looking at kind of the the rich dad organization, I mean, it's it's well over a decade now. But looking at what 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 Robert Kiyosaki has been able to inject as far as uh, philosophy and perspective into the the American economy, it's done it's done wonders. I mean, it I can't tell you how many videos I watch where it's you know, the rich dad poor dad is what what changed me. Rich dad poor dad is what enabled me to do this and enabled me to do that. And so you and your ominous role in in the rich dad organization. I mean, what? Looking at your your mission and what you've been able to co- accomplish thus far, have you have you seen kind of a, a shift in the overall mindset of maybe not just America but uh, internationally? I mean, what what uh, what significance do you think the Rich Dad organization has had in that regard? Um, I think it's I think it's starting to take hold. I, I think what happens is oftentimes when the economy is doing really well. Um, you know, people get comfortable and they don't look around at, you know, what am I not seeing? You know what I mean? Yep. But then what happens is when it's right in your face and now you're, you're literally 
out of a job or almost out of a job or you're, you know, maybe you're upside down in your house or financially and you've got just a little bit of savings. And, um, and I see this, uh, what's very interesting, Patrick, is I see this on a lot of levels. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've been fortunate to do is be able to work with a bunch of NBA players and, and NFL players and hockey players and things like that. And not to mention any names, but what happens is in their last year or second to the last year or right after they're about ready to be replaced by the, you know, the younger model, um, you know, is when they start getting desperate and they start reaching out and they start looking for ways to, um, uh, be educated about some of these things. And so it's the same thing that's happening now in the recession where, People are all of a sudden going, gosh, you know, job, we're not seeing job creation. Um, you know, we're not seeing um, a lot of the spending like it was, and the, the housing prices are down. And, um, you know, even though the economists keep, you know, you know, they find one little sliver, whether it's true or not, I don't know, that's a whole debatable thing. Um, and they, they roll out and they say, hey, great, you know, jobs, you know, jobs, you know, job jobs went down from unemployment went from nine point two to you know eight point nine or whatever, and then they make a big deal about that. But the you know, without looking at the bigger picture, um, you know, it's impossible to know um, the direction. And, and so, you know, I look at things like you know, and that's that's what's been cool about the Rich Dad organization. You know, Robert's message is all starting to show up. I mean, he wrote about it in the book Prophecy. Um, he continues to write about it. Uh, I've always been a cash flow guy from from the beginning. I've always invested in a business that, that cash flow. Um, and so for me, it's kind of given me this platform to go all around with him. And what I've learned is internationally, because I was just in Australia and New Zealand with him, and um, we went to the Rugby World Cup, and then we did a three-day um, oh, cool. event there called um, Raising Capital. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody has the same issues, uh, literally. You know, they're, they're, they're obviously, um, you know, they're all worried about the exact same things, whether it's Canada or the U.S. or Mexico or Australia or whatever. Um, everybody is worrying about the same thing. I think, however, um, what's interesting is hopefully I won't get too much flack about this, but <laughs> I think most of the people in the U.S. are pretty soft. You know, they're they're all oh no no no, you know, it's gonna crack, it's gonna come right back. And I hope they're right. But I don't wanna I don't wanna to me, uh this is all about my controlling my future period, you know. So that's how it started for me. I just I just did not want to be reliant on an employer and I did not want to be reliant on the government. Well I, um, I, yeah, I think now I mean I, I, I you have to think that you know, something like 2008 and 2009 put individuals in a, in a, in a humble, humble state of mind where, where they're willing to listen. And oftentimes, as you said, when everything's going great, nobody really needs to deviate from, from the path. Uh, but now, because of what's occurred, I think that the downturn has, has hopefully awakened uh, enough people. And I, and I, and I agree. I, I think that, you know, probably relative to, uh, to, to the other, other parts of the world, the U.S. is, um, is kind of soft and they, they 
feel that, hey, we're the superpower, we have the military, we have you know all this stuff, and we, we should come back. But again, I think you know the, the overwhelming mentality is that you know we as a country want somebody else to to provide for us as opposed to the the, the opposite. And and it's unfortunate. I think now because of how universal our economy is, uh, and, and because of how fluid information is. I mean, you, we know everything that's you know going on around the world, and so looking at kind of how we perceive things and how other people perceive us. I mean, you kind of think that there is an awakening of of sorts, hopefully. Uh, but it sounds like as you guys you know are, are in uh, Australia or New Zealand that the because I and I know that you know that there's been a presence there before with your organization and uh, for, for the Rich Dad organization. But are you are you feeling that the message of of the Rich Dad organization is being received well, and if there's people that are actually acting on it? Without a doubt. I, I mean, I think that, you know, what's surprising to me is that Robert is wildly more popular outside of the U.S. than he is inside. Interesting. Okay. Wildly more. So, you know, it's it's been fun to travel around with him, and, um, you know, he gets uh, a lot of attention. And I've been, you know, I've toured with him locally, of course, and I've toured with him uh, internationally, but uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just there's a lot of other folks in the U.S. to compete with him. But what you know what I mean? Yeah. So when he goes somewhere else, he gets a tremendous amount of attention. I mean, even in small places like Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, where wow. you know the the I think the the the, the monthly wage is like sixty bucks, and you know four thousand people uh, packed, sold out. Um, you know, unbelievable. So, you know, it, it is really something when he was, you know, he was just in um, Sydney and, and Auckland and uh, New Zealand and Sydney, Australia with uh, Trump. They had, you know, these huge events there, and he's just very, very, very popular there. So uh, the message is really worldwide. So what I mean, looking looking at the the, the significance of of your message in, in the Sleeping Giant and how kind of the I guess the face of our country because originally our country was we're entrepreneurs. I mean, the turn of the century was entrepreneurs and people started coming in from farmlands and becoming part of you know the, the whole capitalistic society. Uh, and it's kind of gone away from that to 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 an extent. Individuals are more comfortable with the status quo and and you know what what's determined as you know the the safe and secure lifestyle and you know your benefits and your retirement package etc um, but you know look I think there's there's a mind shift uh, mind shift of sorts and things are changing people are creating and I think in America because of how fortunate we are with with technology and access to information businesses are be, being created people are being creative in general and, uh, and and hopefully you know there's more of, of an awakening of sorts but it's it's good to hear that you know you guys are making such a such a difference in uh, in, in other parts of, of the world, uh, but you were but you were talking um, before we started uh, recording the podcast. You were talking about some of the some of the things that you are you guys were doing um, as advisors that uh, that's pretty significant because obviously Robert just came out with uh, the Midas Touch and uh, and and you know a couple years ago came out with the Conspiracy of the Rich. But it sounds like there, there's more headway being made as far as the the advisors of the Rich Dad organization. Can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah, you bet. Um, well, obviously, you know, what happened in the last 10 years is all these books came out and 
the advisors, you know, Robert, um, he was trying to find new advisors that could add, um, you know, to the uh, existing message. And, and um, over those years, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to be, you know, kind of hitched onto that for about 10 years. But we've got several new advisors um, either in the queue or, or coming into the queue. And uh, so I went to them. Uh, with uh, two other advisors, Blair Singer and Garrett Sutton, Garrett Sutton, and and we went to him and asked if if it would be all right if if we if he offered us a, the licensing for the Rich Dad Advisor uh, brand, and so he did give us that, and then so now what we're doing is we're we're rebranding all the books, excuse me, into a how-to series, and then we're adding to that how-to series. So that hopefully, when people walk into the bookstores or even online, you know they'll know that they can go to this series of books and get you know really practical uh, information on on a variety of subjects from from the legal side, from the sales side, the real estate or tax or stocks or you know notes or social entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurship or whatever it might be. So we're trying to cover the gamut and, and offer the consumer, um, you know, a whole variety of topics and, and that, you know, that all start with an individual book. And then, you know, of course, with the power of the Internet these days, I mean, you know, they're anywhere from seven ninety nine to nine ninety nine each, right? Oh, so wow, that's awesome. Yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be great. So that's our new venture next. So that's that's coming in, uh, in, in 2000, first part of 2012, uh, around there? Yeah, so we've already uh, we're already well underway repackaging that. We've already signed distribution agreements with the largest um, uh, book distributor in the world, and we will um, we'll, the first books will be published uh, actually reprinted at the end of this month in December, and then they'll be out on the shelves in 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 January. The first three, and then another three in February, and then another four in March, and so. That'll give us 10 books uh, by the end of March, and then we're planning on rolling out a bunch more books uh, in 2012. And then, of course, they'll all be translated, too. Uh, that's the next project, which, you know, we're already working with um, China, the Czech Republic. Um, I was on the phone today with uh, a Mexican group, and, um, you know, we'll get them all translated over and, and um, you know, hopefully push that message out. That's incredible. That's incredible. You guys, you guys are going at about a million million miles an hour it, it sounds like so well kind of to to push uh to kind of push us toward the end uh first off we're, i'm so glad that you uh took your time to, to do this I, I really appreciate it and how we how we originally met was on uh the real estate guys uh radio uh, radio show cruise and, and summit that they do uh every year and, and this year is going to be a, a little bit a little bit different uh there are uh, you've you've been how many years now F- uh, four years or five years yeah this will be my fourth year Four, yeah. fourth year and and there uh there's well well over uh well over half a dozen uh rich dad advisors that are going to be on this on this cruise as well as as Robert and and Kim Kiyosaki uh, so what? Maybe in a, in a nutshell, we only have a couple minutes left. But in a nutshell, what, what's been your what's been your experience in the in the past couple of years on the on the summit? Well, um, you probably know, Patrick. I, you know, I'm not a big seminar guy, so I don't really do a lot of talks. I'll probably do a couple a year max. You know, my business is really real estate, um, and so you know, and plus I'm raising two boys, and and um, you know, I'm trying to like everyone trying to find that that balance, you know, between, 
you know, family and, and work, and, and then, you know, your free time is limited. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've in the past been extremely selective on where I've wanted to go, and, and uh, one of the opportunities, as you know, was this cruise, which is where we met. And, and the reason why I like the cruise is because, well, one, I get to bring my family. And uh, we pull them out of school because we go to some cool places. Um, but what we do is while we're at sea, we teach. So, um, and you know, what's, what it's, what it, you know, I, I, we all get kind of caught in our little, in our little world of, you know, what we think is right and what we're doing at the time. But whenever you get around, you know, a group of folks like yourself or Wayne Palmer or, or Tom or, you know, um, you know, the guys from the real estate radio show, which are phenomenal guys, um, you know, uh, and I guess this year, you know, Robert and Kim are coming this year. What happens is you start to learn everybody's different perspective on stuff. Now, it may, or, may, may be right or wrong, but it's fascinating to be able to get into those kinds of conversations with people that have just a little bit of a different spin on, you know, what's what's going to happen in the next six months or, or a year. And if you have a bit, and if you have an open mind, um, you know, it, it can be a wonderful experience. And so that's why I went is. Um, it's relaxing for me. Um, you know, I get to get up there and talk about, you know, what I'm doing and, um, which is not, no stress at all. And, um, you know, and, and interact with, which is just a great group of, of folks that are all like-minded. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't say enough about, about the group that goes and, and the relationships that you form. And like you said, I mean, just the, just the perspectives of others that you're able to, to glean from it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be quite, quite, I mean, in the last couple of years, uh, it sounds like it's been amazing, but this year it's going to be different just because there's a lot more people going. And, and obviously we have uh, the presence of, of Robert and, and Kim Kiyosaki as well. So it should, uh, should be an amazing event. So for those, for those of you who, uh, who would like more information on that, we're going to have some links inside the blog for you to be able to go on and check out, uh, pricing and dates and, and so forth. Uh, so Ken, we'll we'll end at that. Thank you again so much for taking taking your valuable time and, and being uh, with the podcast today. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Absolutely, Patrick. Thanks for having Thanks. me on. No, no problem. So, everybody, uh, this is our last podcast of the year, and uh, next year we're going to uh, start off with on a good note. We have uh, the, the, the godfather of the infinite banking concept, Nelson Nash himself, who's going to be the first guest. So we're excited to have him. But uh, everybody have a safe and, uh, and, and happy holidays, and we'll talk to you next year.